the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. You know, and in that spirit of asking uh, these, uh, these, these questions, uh, you know, one of them is there, there is no absolute anymore. There is, nothing is known anymore. There is no higher reason for being. I was it was Silicon Valley, and I was listening to a um, uh, listening to one of the big venture capitalists, and he was talking about the future. And he, I mean, he is Facebook, Twitter, everything, biggest venture capitalist guy in the world. And um, and he said, you know, I have to tell you, the Christians and people of deep faith have a leg up on the rest of us. Well, how do you mean? He said, because jobs are going to become so scarce. Life is going to become so easy if we're right about technology and if we survive this this turnover that most people get their meaning out of what they do. And he said, people of real faith get their meaning out of service for others. They find their meaning outside of themselves. That's really important. And I think that's what's happening to our kids. We've lost meaning. But what does it mean to be a Christian anymore? What does it mean? It's 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 like it's not even living in the in the in the the world we're in. Not that it should be uh, of the world, but it has to be in the world. So there's a new book out called The Way Back. Now this is written by two people. Eric Metaxas turned me on to this. Phil Cook and Jonathan Bach. Now, Jonathan Bach is the founder of Grace Hill Media, which has done every movie that you can imagine that, you know, that that you might like that has a good message to it. Uh, It was um, it's the company that did uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the um, uh, the Lord of the Rings. What else? Blindside. Uh, and, And so here's a guy who is. In the media, he works in Hollywood, and yet he says uh, Christians have lost their credibility, and here's the way back. We wanted to get him on now, Jonathan Bach. How are you, Jonathan? Brother Glenn, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm, good. I'm actually happy to hear that the Caiaphate has moved to St. George, Utah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? That's a real retreat. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so, so Jonathan... Uh, you know, it, it's interesting that, you know, being Hollywood people, that you see this, um, and you're not, I shouldn't say you're Hollywood, you, you, I mean, you're a, you're a believer, uh, but you're seeing this, and you're, you're uh, largely responsible for the renaissance of spiritual and faith-based films in Hollywood proper. What is it that we are missing how do you what do you mean by we've uh, Christianity's lost its way? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I sit and have for uh, the better part of 20 years on a funny fence where I market mainstream films and television uh, to the Christian community, to the faith community around the country and even now around the globe. Um, but I'm also a practicing, believing Christian. And so it's an, it's an odd little place to sit, to perch mm-hmm. to sit. And so I get to see maybe into um, both sides of things yeah. in a way that somebody just sitting on one side of the fence doesn't necessarily uh, get to. And look, I, I, I don't think I'm 
saying anything extraordinary here to say that over the last several decades we've we've seen uh, uh, a real um, failure on the part of the Christian community to influence culture. We, we've just seen it ebbing away kind of day after day after day. And we're to the place now where um, people can be openly hostile and are openly hostile to, uh, to the Christian community and to, and to Christian values. I mean, for example, Bernie Sanders, like 18 months ago, said that Christians shouldn't be in a position of any kind of authority in politics. Right. Um, you know, it's things so, like that that are like, what, what is going on, right? And so um, uh, 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 the, my concern is something as simple as this, okay, is that there is a disconnect between how Christians perceive themselves and how non-Christians uh, and the world actually sees us. And so a, a very simple uh, example of that is the fruits of the Spirit, which Christians are supposed to be known for. You know, you know the list, right? Love, joy, yep. peace, patience, kindness. You know the list. Tell me which of those words non-Christians use to describe us. None of those. Wow. None of them. <laughs> right. That's, that's a real problem, right? That is a, if, on, that's a PR problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, is, is how we're viewing ourselves and how they're viewing us uh, are just, uh, just not. Okay, so, so, so help me out. Is this a, you know, I know perception is reality, so you have to deal with the reality that you're handed. Um, but is that perception coming from, is that because there's this movement on the left to crush Christianity or is it, uh, well, Christians aren't living what they preach, or a combination of both? Yeah. Well, as a, as a PR and marketing guy, and my co-writer, Phil Cook, is also um, uh, a, a media expert. He, he actually works on the Christian side of things. Uh, I like to say that uh, Phil helps Christian television suck less. <laughs> uh, and, he's, and he's been doing that for uh, you know, the better part of 30, 30 years. Um, we came at this, um, you know, we've been friends for a long time, and we talk about this kind of constantly around the fire pit and conversation. And, um, you know, we come at this as PR and marketing guys, so of course we, we viewed this initially as a Christianity has a PR problem. And so, uh, you know, every, every marketing problem can be solved by better marketing. So if you're if your house is small, don't call it small, call it cozy, right? right. And, and so that's how, where we started. We started at a place of, well, great, how do we fix this PR problem? Let's use our expertise to do that. But the more that we dug into it, um, and the more we wrote the book, it just didn't feel like we were really uh, capturing what the real essential problem was. So uh, we decided to go back and look at our community, the Christian community, and just look at behaviors and, and where the Christian uh, community is right now. So, for example, on the movie side of things, if, if you um, do research, you ask people, hey, do you like movies? Everybody likes movies. It's like 99% of the country says, yes, I like movies. Okay? Well, that's not, as marketers, we're not interested in those people. We're actually interested in the people who show up and actually go to movies and plunk down their money once a month and go to movies or who are on Netflix. So you want people who are actively involved. So we went to all of the best researchers out there, Barna, Gallup, Pew, Lifeway Research, to dig into the actual stats of what's going on in the Christian community, 
behaviorally. And I have to say, we were absolutely shocked. So depending on the researcher you talk to and the question that gets asked, essentially somewhere between 70 to 80 percent of this country uh, classifies themselves as a Christian. Okay. Then you start to look at, we just decided to look at just basic behaviors. You know, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? And what are the markers that you would say, okay, yeah, that's definitely what Christians uh, should be doing. They should be going to church, right? I mean, you would assume that Christians would go to church. Um, We looked at prayer. We looked at uh, tithing. And we looked at Bible reading. And we were shocked. So, for example... If 70 to 80 percent of the country claims to be Christian, how many people are showing up on a weekly basis to church? It is 20 percent. Oh, my gosh. Right. And the new rule of thumb with churches, with pastors, is you are now a regular at church if you're showing up three out of every eight Sundays or 19 whole times a year. Holy cow. That that makes you a regular uh, uh, congregate. How many times a year? Again, was nineteen. It? Wow, nineteen. Wow. That's you're regular if you're showing up. 19. Wow, it's like my right. gym attendance. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and you can see what the difference that's making. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. It looked great. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> so then we looked at, um, you know, then, you didn't then laugh. we looked at. You didn't laugh. Are you actually just calling me fat? I don't understand what happened. Hey, he's a Christian. He can get away with that. He loves you. I speak truth, man. I speak truth. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Um, So then we looked at, um, you know, prayer. Okay. And and what we found is is that 63% of Christians say prayer is essential, which sounds like a great number. Oh, okay. That's a good number. Except the corollary to that is 37% of people who go to church don't think prayer is essential. Mm. Bible reading. Wait, wait, thirty. Wait, wait, thirty-seven percent. What? 37% of Christians who go to church do not think prayer is essential. <laughs> what? How, how is that possible? How's that? I mean, it's yeah, the it's Lord's right. prayer. He thought it was pretty. <laughs> how is that possible? Okay. Well, this, this, is, this is where we are in the world. So yeah. here, here's the uh, really shocker, um, which is Bible reading. So Lifeway Research, I mean, these are the Southern, Southern Baptists, so this is not, uh, I mean, they, they want this to be a good number, but their researchers, what they found is that of church-attending Christians, we're talking about that 20%, right? We're talking about the, essentially the regulars who show up. 40% of them rarely or never open the Bible. So, again, we're not talking about Chris, Christmas and Easter Christians. We are talking about people who are actually showing up in the pews on a regular basis. Well, 19 times. Yeah. Right. Well, 40% yeah. of them are never, they're never cracking the Bible at wow. all. Wow. Okay. And then, of course, tithing, you would assume it's terrible. And it is terrible. Of those 10%, uh, excuse me, of those 20% who are showing up on a regular basis, only 10% of them are giving 10%. So well, at least they're consistent. It's a 10% rule. Yeah. There you go. But you look wow. at those numbers, right? And you start to realize that, oh my gosh, all of the things that non-Christians are saying about us, that we're hypocritical, are that true. we're negative, all those things, that whole list, it's true. Okay. All it's right. True. Okay. So, so hang on, Jonathan, because I, I want right. we want to continue, uh, continue the conversation. So how does that change us? And then also, what, it's a, what do we do? Uh, because I think people feel this. They just know Christianity is on the ropes. It's declining everywhere. And it's on the ropes. And it's because perhaps we're not living it. 
We are talking uh, to um, the author of a new book. Uh, Jonathan Bach and Phil Cook have written The Way Back, How Christians Blew Our Credibility and How We Can Get It Back. He is a marketer um, and started looking at the problems of Christianity and saying, well, we just have a marketing problem. He said, no, after doing research, no, we actually have some real fundamental problems. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, people are not viewing Christians as we view ourselves. Yeah, he brought up a list, you know, positive virtues that you might associate with Christianity to keep it as uh, yeah. secular as possible. Um, and uh, it, it was... Uh, we, we, it's Nobody amazing. associates any of those words with Christians. Right. And and part of me under like believes that because there's been a kind of a negative there is a yeah. PR problem. Yes. I think that is part of it. But I also, you know, maybe we're not living the lives we're supposed to live. I'd love to see what people do associate uh with Christianity. So so we'll get into that we'll get into that. Um and 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 how much of this is is you know, he he mentioned that he a lot of the research they did one of the big research firms is Barna, and I've seen the Barna research on Christians. There's mm. no difference between Christians and non-Christians in divorce, pornography, you know, lying, cheating, stealing. There's no difference. We are not different because of our faith, and I think that's why a lot of people say, you know, you're just a bunch of talk. You're just a bunch of hypocrites. You, oh, you preach goody-goody, but there is no difference in in studies done by religious pollsters there's no difference between us that's a problem jonathan bach is one of the uh, co-authors he is with us now he is um in the film promoting um industry he is a christian uh and his co-author is a christian and they thought that this was a pr problem and as they looked into research they realized no it's it's not a pr problem alone uh there is a there's a problem in christianity and he just uh, addressed you know, people who say they go to church, uh, that's only about 20% of the population that says they're Christian. 20% of those go to church on a regular basis, and that means 19 times a year. 63% of Christians say prayer is important, but 37% of Christians say, no, it's not. And only 40%, or sorry, 40% of Christians rarely or never read the Bible. And so we went over some of the positive terms that are not associated with Christianity, apparently uh, for good reason in some ways, Jonathan. But what what do people think of when they think of Christians? Well, I mean, we've all heard the list, right? <laughs> we've all heard those uh, the the terrible adjectives that are used. But what are what we discovered with when we started to look in these researches? This research is that. You know, the, the fact that Christian is now essentially synonymous with hypocrite is not a PR problem. What it is, is it's a sales force problem. It's, it's on us because um, we're just not living the life. We have essentially become the fat guy at the gym who's lecturing other people about good health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so researchers know that when conversion happens, and it doesn't matter, we're not talking only about religion, it can be anything, good health, anything. It's because you see someone else and you want to be like them. Yeah. Okay? So when you have 80% of the country saying they're a Christian, but only 20% showing up, um, you know, you, you look at that and say, who, who wants to be part of that group? Yeah. Who wants to be part of that? <clears throat> it's a little bit like if you went to uh, for a meeting at Coca-Cola and three-quarters of the people around the table are drinking Pepsi. Like, what would you think about it? Right. I, I will tell you that I, I, you know, I have a problem, even in my own church, but, but all churches, they, you know, they talk an awful lot about, you know, 
baptisms and you know getting people in the faith and and i just keep i i it drives me nuts because i i just feel like yeah okay that's important but love people love people and they will just come themselves jesus didn't have to say get into the water get into the water he loved people and that's what turned their life they saw it and wanted they wanted that fruit and i don't know what our fruit is anymore Exactly, exactly. And so we, we looked at this and said, okay, well, here's the symptoms, right? But what's the real cause of this? And it, it really also shocked us. Is essentially what we determined is that when, when, you know, when, you, when you talk about idol worship, that, that sounds like an Israelite problem. Yeah, right, 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 like right, right. A long time ago kind of problem. Oh, those silly Israelites, the second, uh, you know, Moses yeah. is away, they're making a golden calf. We, we don't do that if our pastor goes on vacation. We don't make a golden calf <laughs> in the narthex. Speak um, for your church. <laughs> Should have seen what happened to our church last week. <laughs> but what we feel is is that um, a lot of Christians out there, a lot of people calling themselves Christians, are actually the most sophisticated idol makers in the history of humanity. Because essentially what they've done is they've created a God that looks like God, that has the veneer of God, but it's a God who, who doesn't mind that I'm only going to church 19 times a year and fine with me not tithing or reading the Bible, um, you know, has, has, is, is cool with us divorcing, as you brought up, divorcing at the exact same rate as everybody else, who demands no obedience from us mm-hmm. all. And it's essentially, we have created an, a, a God who, um, who conforms to our view of the world, as opposed to the other way around. That's idol worship. And I think that's what's going on here. And what you realize is that the greatest threat facing American Christianity in 2018 is not radical Islam or the rise of secularism or prayer in schools or gay marriage or the whole list. The greatest threat to American Christianity in 2018 is American Christians. Hmm. That's a powerful statement. I will tell you this. I, I had to write something um uh, this week, uh, this last weekend, uh, for church. And, and so I was doing some study on, um, on, uh, unconditional love and how God's love is unconditional and started doing some research and found that was not part of the Christian vernacular until the 1960s. God's love is not unconditional. He has divine love. He loves all of us, no matter what we've done, but it is also conditional. You, you know, he, it, all of his promises are, if you do these things, then I will promise you these things. That is the very definition. And it was put in there, you know, the unconditional love really kind of entered our vernacular because it was, you know, hey, you can just be a good person. You can just, you can just, you can do sleep with people and whatever, and God doesn't matter. It, it does matter. It does matter. Yeah, well, um, you know, and, and as you read the stories of Jesus, um, you know, he, he's got all the time in the world uh, and all the love in the world for uh, murderers and prostitutes and lepers, and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. The folks he can't stand are the, the complacent, the hypocrites. Yeah. Um, you know, this, he, he has no patience for them, none. So what is the way back? <laughs> yeah, well, so we had to, that's one of the things that we did is we said, all right, well, how do we, how do we fix this, right? Because a lot of people have accused us of having the spiritual gift of discouragement. 
Uh, and so, <laughs> what do we do about this, and how do we fix it? So, you know, what we decided to do is just go back and say, all right, well, how did the early church do this? Right? I mean, essentially, when uh, on the Mount of Olives, when when Jesus disappeared into the sky, uh, you know, the disciples were standing there, and as they're standing there, they have nothing. Okay, they have no political power, <laughs> they have no money. They have no influence. They have essentially no education. They have no plan. As a matter of fact, two angels had to show up and say, come on, fellas, let's get to it. You know, it's time <laughs> to go. So they had nothing. So how did they go from, you know, being a backwater um, uh, cult, uh, you know, in the far reaches of the Roman Empire to 200 years later, Christianity being one of the most influential forces in all of the Western world? How did that happen? How did they go from nothing to that in in a you know relatively short period of time? And it's it's really two things that what we came up with. First is they were all in. I mean these guys were a hundred percent committed. Yeah. Um. They they were they were in it for sure. And uh, that's the first thing. And the second thing is that they went about a process of deciding intentionally to astonish Roman culture. Roman culture, let me give you an example of it. Roman culture was a, a, a culture of death, really. I mean, militarism was very strong. Infanticide was a huge problem, problem. In, in the early church. I mean, uh, excuse me, um, in, or in Roman culture, right? They, would, if you did, they didn't really name their children for 10 days after they were born because they were still deciding whether they wanted to keep this or not, if it was a girl or too many mouths to feed. Um, they would just expose the child. They would just leave it by the side of the road or out in the trash or put it in a field. They put it in garbage, literally in garbage barges. Yep, just garbage. It was a piece of garbage. And so the early church who believed in life and believed in uh, that everyone was sacred started picking up these children and raising them as their own. And the idea that so astonished uh, the Roman culture, they didn't know what to do with it. Who are these people and what are they doing? And how are they doing it? And so we looked at that and said, all right, well, what are the ways that we can astonish culture again? And if you go back again to the early church, think of the things that they created, hospitals and orphanages and universities. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the list goes on and on of things that were so extraordinary that culture decided, hey, we need one of those. We want to be part of this. And so what are the things, I don't think a hospital or a soup kitchen today is going to really, another one of those is going to astonish uh, culture. But what are the things that we can do as a Christian community, uh, both individually and corporately, that can astonish culture once again? So as an example, we, we have a bunch of examples in the book of those kinds of things that we can do. And I'll give you an example of one. Uh, the foster care system is a disaster in this country. 450,000 kids living in the foster care system, essentially abandoned. They're abandoned children. That's what it comes down to. And we can look at that and go, oh my gosh, that's, that's an unbelievably huge number. What could I do where I'm sitting? Well, there's actually a lot you can do. Um, 450,000 doesn't sound so terrible when you realize there's 350,000 churches in this country. So if one family in one church, in every single church in the country, took in a a foster carriage, an orphaned child, into their family, and everybody else in that church supported them, we could wipe out the foster care system in this country in a year, just Mm -hmm. like that. 
that's the kind of thing would, uh, that would astonish people and go, well, who does that? What, how did this happen? That's unbelievable. Because everybody knows this is a, a tremendous societal problem right now. Foster kids have a 1% graduation rate from college. Wow. Within one year, 25% of them will be homeless when they're finally emancipated. 75% of girls who go through the, through the foster care system are pregnant by 21. 75%. Wow. 75%. So if we want to do something about it, we need to, this is the kind of ways that we can astonish culture is by working together. But that's we have a, to be committed. That's right? amazing. We to, now we're we like, oh, I can't believe Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Jeez, what are they doing? Like I mean, <laughs> these basic steps now yeah. mesmerize us. And, uh, you know, that's not even close to what uh, the plan was. Do you talk? Well, and you know, what's especially amazing about Chick-fil-A is that they make more money than yeah. the only being open six days a week. Yeah. It works. Most other chains. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Jonathan, what about the the instead of the grand plan which i love i love that about you know uh, you know the foster care idea uh, too many of us are just not doing it i mean we're just not living it we're not we're no different than the rest of society yes so uh, i mean how much of a role do we as individuals play because if our churches can say hey we're going to do this but unless we unless we reduce our divorce rate, uh, you know, our pornography usage, our drug usage, our lying, our cheating, our whatever, unless we start to move those numbers, we're not a unique or peculiar people at all. No, right, and 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 it's going to start with ourselves, right? Uh, because we have to look at ourselves and and decide um what do i want to be right do i want to be this complacent person or do i want to be an essentially a navy seal for the lord right like all in right and then with the church you go to is important i mean look is is your church uh pushing you hard like a trainer for your soul into like a deeper and more profound relationship with jesus or is it like a rose-scented convalescent hospital which is keeping you warm dry and comfortable Right. What's your faith? Is your is your faith an active, all in uh, faith, or is it a four hundred one k faith where you're just putting a little bit away uh, and hoping you have enough for the very end? So great, Jonathan Bach. Thank you. The name of the book is "The Way Back: How Christians Blew Our Credibility and How We Get It Back." Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Yeah, I, I to tell you, the, the book has a command, uh, uh, a companion devotional. Um, on version, it has hit uh, 800,000 downloads in the first 10 days. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, so it's this is gaining traction, and that's a good thing. The Way Back, available everywhere. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.